You're listening to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jared Smith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jared Smith. Each episode, it's my job to engage with the brightest minds in marketing and higher education to uncover the practical insights you can use to level up your institution's marketing and enrollment efforts. In this episode, we'll be talking about the role of the Chief Enrollment Management Officer with Mike Riley. Mike is the Executive Director of the American Association of College Registrars and Admissions Officers, or ACRO for short. We cover interesting findings from ACRO's most recent Chief Enrollment Management Officer Survey, the evolution of Strategic Enrollment Management, or SEM, and what he sees as the future of the Chief Enrollment Manager. This was an interesting talk, and Mike is certainly an industry veteran who has a very broad and informed perspective. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike Riley. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us. So, um, you know, I think for those of us who may not already be familiar, could you just give us a quick snapshot of the American Association of College Registrars and Admissions Officers and your role within that organization? Sure. We've been around a while. We're actually one of the older higher ed associations in the United States. Uh, came about in 1910. Actually, an interesting small meeting in Detroit. And from that meeting, ACRA was formed in mm-hmm. the CUBO, the National Association of College and University Business Officers. So the two of us have been around a long time. Uh, registrars initially and added um, admissions folks in about the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we have about 11,000 members, 2,800 colleges and universities in our Members are primarily admissions officers, registrars, and chief enrollment managers. We have a good number of folks that are in international credential evaluation. That's a bit of an emphasis of ours. Uh, and a lot of work around transfer uh, admissions. That's, a, that's another, another emphasis. So uh, do professional development to keep people with, uh, in line with best practices and a lot of training. And, and, we, and a good bit of public policy work, too. We're here in D.C. Mm-hmm. We, we watch things like uh, FERPA, the Federal Education, Educational Rights and Privacy Act is a big one of ours, but financial aid and other things as well. Good deal. So I know that ACRO recently published a new study on the Chief uh, Enrollment Management Officer uh, career profile, which we will be sure to link to in our in our show notes. Um, your report kind of makes clear right up front that the enrollment that enrollment management is still a, a relatively young profession. Yeah. Um, so I think a great place to start would be maybe kind of defining that role of the, of the chief enrollment management officer and giving us a little background on its evolution and, and the, I guess, broader evolution of strategic enrollment management. Yeah, it is a very nascent position in terms of, you know, the history of higher ed. Probably even the notion of enrollment management didn't really begin until the 1970s, started to gel in the 80s. Uh, you, you saw it uh, expand in the 1990s. We've been doing a strategic enrollment management conference for about 28 years now. So that's that's a long time, but that was basically at the beginning. Uh, so, you know, prior to that, uh, I think there was more of an emphasis on the admissions side, uh, mm-hmm. less so on retention and completion. That's obviously been a political contention over the last couple of years. Uh, but as, as in, the profession started to mature and campuses were looking at retaining students in addition to just enrolling them for you know, a variety of reasons, not, not 
um, not missing out on the fact that financially that's a that's a mm-hmm. big impact on the institution. Uh, but it has it has you know kind of matured uh, to a point. Now it's interesting when we when we did this survey and, and by the way we do these for each of our three primary uh, professions: admissions director, registrar, and chief enrollment manager uh, to provide some guidance to those members, but also keep track of what the career path is to get there and what the portfolio of responsibilities are for those positions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one where there's not really even a definition of this. So you can't go out and find this this position, you know, right. search like you do registrar or mm-hmm. admissions director. We see lots of different titles. We also, when we did this survey, we gave a description of this this position. And what we said was, you know, it's responsible for developing and implementing comprehensive strategic enrollment management efforts focused on retention, recruitment, and admissions. And we said this position often has managerial responsibility and oversight for key enrollment units and enrollment services. Um, we had about half the respondents say, we don't have anybody uh, right. with that responsibility. And you know, that happens much more frequently at community colleges, at uh, not for pro- or non, excuse me, for-profit institutions. The position's much more common in larger, uh, both mm-hmm. public and, and not-for-profit institutions. So that's part of the challenge is, it's a role that's certainly growing, but it's not everywhere. And so our, our survey, um, you know, tells us that we do expect more institutions to adopt these roles and these SEM models, but there's a lot of them that that infrastructure is just not there. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that struck me in the report was it said, you know, obviously these are generally much more senior people. They've been in higher ed for 20 years. They've worked at multiple institutions, but if they would consider themselves a chief enrollment management officer, they likely have been in that position for less than five years. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. A couple that, you know, there's a few insights about this that I thought were interesting. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of information in this, but, but, but one of the most intriguing ones to me is if you look at the previous role that that individual played and how he or she, you know, stepped up to the chief enrollment management officer, almost half the people, that entered their first position did so from a different position on their own campus. Mm-hmm. So you were the admissions director and in, in about a third of the cases, it was the admissions director. You were, you showed the, the administration showed confidence in you moved you up to that level. Um, about 25% of the folks who were in those roles current roles moved from another chief enrollment manager position somewhere else. So mm-hmm. they'd already gotten to that level but only about one in five went from say a director level at one institution to be the chief enrollment management officer at another institution. So it's kind of a narrow path. Either people know you and your skill set on campus, or they've seen you as a experienced chief enrollment manager and you move to this role. You don't move diagonally. And that's one of our challenges is we'll never meet the demand that's going to be out there for these. If you're simply relying on, chief enrollment managers moving between institutions. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting point. And, I, and one of the the things that came out of this that really struck me was just how complex this role is. Um, and uh, I wonder if we could, which obviously plays into the, the demand for the role and also the lack of supply in that role. Yeah. Um, 
I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that kind of broad portfolio of responsibilities that the chief enrollment manager has. Yeah. So, I mean, primarily, if you see a very traditional model, this individual has oversight of the admissions office, the registrar's office, and financial aid. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of the, the big, big trio of, of units on a campus that uh, you think of as enrollment management. Uh, in many cases, you'll also see somebody involved with some research or institutional research. That's a common addition. Sometimes this role might have advising under it, but, but not, not as often. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you might see, you know, this position responsible for orientation. Often orientation may be over in your student life or housing unit. Um, but, but, but typically it's admissions registrar in records excuse me, admissions, registrar, and financial aid. Now, one, one of the things that the survey showed again, looking again with the previous, what you've served in previously, again, about one in three came out of admissions. Only 5% were formerly registrars. Only about 6% were formerly financial aid directors. And yet, those individuals report to the chief enrollment manager. I've always thought, you know, I sometimes uh, harass our registrar brethren and say, why do you concede the chief enrollment manager position to the admissions guy when you have, you're a, a third of the units there. So what's going on that we're not getting registrars moving up to that role? We're not getting financial aid directors. Well, it's primarily that the emphasis has so much been on admissions and recruitment that right. side of the equation. I mean, that's why you see the admissions folks and, and the registrars may not have skills in that. The financial aid folks a little bit limited because they, they, they'll do financial aid packaging and scholarships, et cetera, but don't necessarily know, you know, the, the demographics, et cetera. So that's one of the future challenges is to make sure that folks coming out of those professions are equally prepared to be considered chief enrollment managers. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of, you know, you, talking a little bit about the the challenge of finding the right people for this role. I kind of wondered how your organization is is thinking about grooming that next generation of enrollment managers and and what are you how are you guys currently approaching this? What's your what's your thinking on that? Yeah, I mean there's a couple of ways. I mean one is that we have established a set of what we call core competencies and proficiencies. We have proficiencies for each of those three professions, admissions, registrar, chief enrollment management. And we have core competencies that are superimposed irrespective of your position. Things like strong communication, uh, commitment to diversity, understanding of technology, change management, uh, those kinds of things. So we now have this set of competencies that we can aim our professional development at. And that's what we're starting to do. Um, We certainly do it through the strategic enrollment management conference, as I mentioned. That's actually coming up in a few weeks here in DC, draws about 900 people, real team focus. I think at this conference, we have about 40 institutions coming who have at least four members of a team, uh, one institution sending 12 people. And, and because they're, they're using the full team model where they have a registrar, faculty, institutional research, advising, student affairs, which is, you know, if everybody could do that, that'd be great. Um, the other thing is we do have a little bit uh, of a, a it's not a credential, but we have an endorsement that's the Strategic Enrollment Management Endorsement Program, which is 
an opportunity for somebody to do some more deep dive coursework mentoring projects, and we provide you with this endorsement, which we hope will start to carry some cachet to be able, for example, for a registrar at one institution to demonstrate that she's capable to be the chief enrollment manager at another institution. Mike, obviously we know in higher ed access, equity and diversity are hugely important. How does this role line up with that? Well, it's, it's one of our ongoing challenges. Uh, again, from our survey, we see that there's reasonable gender balance in the number of folks that are out in the profession. Although I will note that at the more, the larger uh, public and larger private institutions, the chief enrollment manager still tends to be a white male. Whereas you see more uh, women in some of the uh, smaller privates and, and regional comprehensives. Um, we also don't see the, the ethnic diversity of this role as it should be, particularly when we look across the broader admissions and registrar professions. So it's obviously something that we need to pay attention to. And we've got a couple things in mind where we're beginning to build a program we're, we're calling LEAD, which is going to be launched at the, our upcoming SEM meeting, where it's an opportunity to start profiling women and professionals of color in these roles to serve as mentors and help help build a better cadre of folks in the future. But um, it, it's not done as well as we should. Uh, and, and so I think that's for ACRO, and, and it should be for others too, that needs to be a major objective to make sure that the career path to this position is available to everyone. Mm-hmm. I want to circle back to this idea of the team approach. I, I know I saw you speak at uh, the Florida ACRO conference a few months ago, and, and towards the end of your presentation, you talked about, uh, you know, they're not silos, kind of jokingly, you called them cylinders of excellence, which <laughs> I've used multiple times, by the way, because it's, it's and by the great... way, I give credit to John <laughs> O'Brien from Educause for that. In a shared <laughs> it is a great concept, isn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and uh, so, but I, it kind of reminded me of one of the um, uh, words of wisdom that you all included in the survey. So for folks who haven't already read the survey, uh, they've included along with it some kind of freeform responses uh, along some themes. And they have some great uh, sprinkled throughout the the survey sort of analysis. There's also these kind of quotes. And one of them was from a VP of planning and advancement at a technical college. And she said, you know, don't be afraid to learn how your college or university functions. There's so much to gain by breaking down silos so that we can all uh, help our students. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that because it it's always this reoccurring theme, the silos yeah. or cylinders yeah, yeah. of excellence. Yeah, well, you know, one interesting thing, um, there's a process that we encourage campuses to do, just to do a little bit of an illustration of it. When you're a prospective student applying to a campus, you usually start your communications with the admissions office and they send you the view book and the application, you meet with counselors, et cetera. You may be applying for financial aid and you get communications from them. Uh, you start to you know, connect to your academic department and you get some communications from them. You start to uh, think about your residence hall experience and you get communications from them. Mm -hmm. We always ask people to say, you should compile all of those and just see because the admissions office often loses track of who's uh, communicating. And you see this massive set of uncoordinated emails, for example, right. that goes to the student from all these different units. 
And if you were the student receiving that, you just say, my God, how am I supposed to make sense of this? Make it stop. <laughs> so, you know, that, that is a, often a good exercise for people to do to say, you know, we aren't thinking about this very much from the mindset of the student as she's beginning to mm -hmm. uh, go through the decision and acceptance process. So that's certainly one of them. Um, the other is, uh, I think, you, you know, really essential to get the academic and faculty side engaged in the enrollment management process. Mm -hmm. And that's not often the case. It's sometimes thought of as a, as a separate entity. Sometimes we don't think faculty understand the SEM theory, et cetera. But they are, you know, just such an essential component, particularly of, of, of retention of students, the strong interactions that they have. Mm -hmm. But that has to be a part of the equation. And, and I think, um, you know, the other thing I, I, I often tell people is when you, when, you, when you have these silos like this, you often for, force students to try and understand your structure to navigate their way through. Mm -hmm. They come to your office. I'm sorry, we're not the ones that do that. You need to go see so-and-so or, you know, you know, logically you might think that is here, but that's not how we're structured. That person, that unit reports over here. So those kinds of things are just really problematic uh, for students as they try, especially students who are not, um, don't have higher education in their family experience as they try to navigate through. So that's why I think it's really important to break those things down and look at everything through the lens of student success rather than the function that you serve, the transactional function. That's what really trips people up. This, you know, we do this transaction, not realizing that it's part of a broader experience that the student's having. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. I'd love to talk a little bit about this kind of idea of engaging your faculty. And could you kind of dive a little level deeper into that? How how might one approach that at their institution? What are some, some things that you've seen work over the years in terms of actually really getting that buy-in and helping them participate in the enrollment management piece? So I, I think, uh, you, know, you know, one way is certainly making sure that they have a seat at the table in your strategic enrollment management committee. I know that sounds like a no-brainer, but it often doesn't happen. Um, another thing in, in what uh, kind of a separate project that we've been working on that we've found a really interesting connection with the faculty is this comprehensive learner record project that we're doing where we're, we're working with NASPA, the Student Affairs Association, to try and build student records that go beyond simply the, the transcript that's made up of your courses and grades. That's such mm -hmm. a limited expression of the learning and experiences you have on campus. So what, what might that look like? And we have found that the campuses that engage really creative faculty in that are coming up with some of the neatest ideas. Things like uh, being able to focus on learning outcomes and competencies in lieu of just grades. Things like showing how uh, undergraduate research, which is very connected to faculty, uh, can impact student retention. I mean, it's one of the five high-impact practices. Uh, do, in, in, engaging them more readily on things like study abroad, not just having the experience, but assessing what the student learned when he or she came back from that experience. That, that's a great way to get the enrollment units connected with faculty because then you're talking about how might that those experiences and the records of that flow into a new student record, particularly in a digital format, that the student can then share with mm -hmm. anyone they like, an employer, potential graduate school, uh, posting out on their 
LinkedIn account. So that's another way, you know, bring them in with their expertise uh, and have them drive some of the things that you have the capacity to mm-hmm. change. I think that's a good way to get started. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting approach. So um, I want to talk a little bit about data for a second. This was uh, something that came up in, in some of the, the open comments from the folks you surveyed. And um, I imagine as someone like yourself that's been uh, thoughtful on this topic for quite some time and uh, has been in the industry for quite some time overall, you've, you've definitely seen sort of the, the impact and, and transformation that, uh, you know, this focus on data has brought yeah. to enrollment management. Um, I know that one of the respondents said, you know, if you don't love data, at least learn to like it a lot. Yeah, and, that's right. you know, and then they, they kind of went on that. It was a great quote. And then data is the key to the current landscape and enrollment management. You need to be able to translate that into a story that leads to strategic action for your campus. If you could comment on that. Yeah, I think one of the big shifts that's taken place, we've always had a lot of data. Um, I mean, it's not that we've, that the data is necessarily a new concept, Mm -hmm. but the way enrollment managers had typically been doing it was looking at data in retrospective. You analyze the profile of your class that came in. You looked at the enrollment patterns of the past term and, Mm -hmm. and weren't actively trying to learn from that and apply it forward to be, you know, predicting things. So Mm -hmm. if you notice one of the biggest shifts that's taken place in higher ed over the last few years are these predictive analytic approaches. Using data, uh, you know, actually you you build your models off of retrospective data, but what you're trying to do is anticipate, Mm -hmm. predict, uh, change practice, and not simply be reactive uh, to something that you saw in your class. And I think that's that's the big change. And it's a challenge for institutions. There's a number of companies that are out there that can help schools with it. I'll tell you, it's not inexpensive mm-hmm. uh, to bring some of these groups into campus. And I, and I think that's one of our challenges, particularly for smaller campuses, for community colleges. How do you get equivalent types of tools and abilities to do predictive analytics without necessarily having to go with a huge uh, third-party provider? Again, don't get me wrong, those are those are excellent, but it's just, it's not available to everyone. So I think that's what's going to be shifting a lot in the profession is, is using data strategically to anticipate rather mm-hmm. than simply, uh, you know, looking at data in, in the rearview mirror. Right. Yeah. So that, that's kind of a great segue. I would love for you to, to hear your thoughts on, you know, looking out over the next couple of years and kind of where you see the trends developing, what do you, what do you see in store for this position? Well, one thing that I do see is I think we will start to see a shift in the, the, the number of folks who come from different roles than just admissions. Full disclosure, I was an admissions guy. Uh, I moved up to be an associate vice president for enrollment management. So I'm part of the more traditional model. But uh, we, we know that registrars and financial aid people, for example, have a much better understanding of current student dynamics. I mean, the registrar sees the enrollment pattern, sees the grades, sees mm-hmm. the course selection, see who stops in, stops out. The financial aid director knows uh, when a student's having financial troubles and is having to struggle to make things uh, 
uh, uh, work, you know, so that they need to be a b- b- bigger part of this position. So I think that's what's going to involve, particularly as retention and completion have become equally as important as enrolling the student body. So that's, that's one change. And I think the other is what we just talked a little bit about is getting a better handle on this notion of, of really understanding your students and being able to anticipate and build career paths and, and degree paths that are based on, you know, a real understanding of what works for students. So, so you don't just continue to roll out the catalog and the courses in the same fashion. So that I think is going to change. I think the other thing, um, you know, that we're, we're really excited about is, is this profession starting to really get a lot of traction at the community college level. That's one where, for, in many cases, the, the, the person who had these kinds of responsibilities was often the registrar or admissions director. In fact, in many campuses, that's the same person. You are both the director of admissions and the registrar at your community college, but there's no enrollment manager. And they were often focused on access because that was their primary role. But as mm-hmm. you, know, you start to see that students um, you know, aren't necessarily completing like they hope, they may not be transferring, I think these SEM uh, uh, theories will start to build there. You'll start to see more chief enrollment managers. So that's pretty exciting. And we're, we have some good folks helping advise us as we build this uh, professional development uh, sequence of events to help them be successful. Well, Mike, this has been a really illuminating conversation. Uh, if folks want to connect with you or find out more about what your organization has to offer, uh, where would you like to direct them? Well, certainly visit our website, uh, uh, www.acro.org. And within that, you can certainly find me. But you also see uh, there's a lot of resources that we have on the website, these research reports, uh, white papers from case studies about strategic enrollment management on campuses, and and certainly lots of conferences and webinars and things to try and build your skill set or learn more. Good deal. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mike. Thanks so much. Enjoyed it. The Higher Ed Marketing Lab is produced by Echo Delta, a full-service marketing firm dedicated to helping higher education institutions drive enrollment, increase yield, and capture donors' attention. For more information, visit echodelta.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, if you have questions, suggestions, episode ideas, or just want to reach out and say hi, drop us a line at podcast at echodelta.co. See you next time.